I'm glad to be with you today and to have the opportunity to uh, present uh, the sermons uh, during your uh, Bible class and worship periods. Uh, I do preach at Roanoke. I'm happy there and not looking for any changes. So please don't go tell my elders I'm looking for a job. I love your preacher and uh, I'm happy to have opportunities to get to know him and to spend time with him. appreciate this congregation very much and the work that uh, you are doing in giving Bible training to those who uh, want to further their knowledge in God's word and uh, those who intend to preach it to others. And so while the things that uh, I say today I have thought about and prepared with Those individuals in mind in particular, uh, these are things that uh, are beneficial to all of us as Christians and uh, our view of our life here on this earth. I suppose that uh, I am like you or you are like me in that while you respect and love every passage in God's word, there are some passages that serve sort of as a model or a template for the way that you look at life and that provide a framework through which you try to understand life and and your purpose here. One of those passages for me is Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10 where the Bible says of Ezra that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. There are three components to that verse. There is the heart preparation that is necessary. Uh, There is the seeking of the law of the Lord and the doing it. And then there is the teaching aspect that we, like he, teach in our time the principles, the truths, the statutes, and the judgments of the Lord. And the three lessons that I intend to uh, present today follow that pattern. They won't come specifically from Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. I want to look at some other passages of Scripture to develop these lessons. But that's the template, really, or the model of thinking that I'm trying to follow and to put before us as we think about life in this world. This first one, uh, I have preached before, and I've preached it under the title, Do I Have a Heart for the Word of God? And uh, another way to look at the the lesson that we are going to consider in the Bible class is the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And you've heard that before. That didn't originate with me, but I really like that saying because it, it captures the essence of where our love, our appreciation, our respect, and our obedience to God should begin. It should begin in the heart. Uh, Because uh, you know if the heart is not right, not much good is going to follow from there. One of the, the things that I appreciate in the teaching of Jesus and what Jesus, the Bible says about Jesus' teaching, it often says he knew their heart. And he had a unique perspective as God that uh, you and I don't have when we are working with people and trying to help them 
We don't know their heart. But you know your heart, and I know my heart. And so it stands to reason that when we apply God's word to ourselves, knowing our own hearts, then we can make the adjustments and the corrections that may be necessary. When God's people, uh, Israel, came back from Babylonian captivity, after seven years in captivity, Ezra was one of the ones responsible for leading them in in that return. Uh, Three returns, one led by a man named Zerubbabel, one by Ezra, and then one by Nehemiah. And there was a specific focus for the work of each of these individuals. Ezra's work focused on getting the people back to a place of worship uh, before their God. Now, Zerubbabel had restored the temple and, in essence, had made the altar for worship, but the heart needed to be prepared for that activity. And so Ezra, a man who has prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel's statutes and judgments, now finds himself in the place of preparing the heart of the people just as we understood, Stan, he had prepared his own heart. The essence of this is found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. And I would like for that chapter to be the text for our study this morning. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 18, this uh, whole chapter. And there are, are four things that happen in the hearts of the people with whom Ezra is working that applied most definitely in that generation and that period of time, uh, but I would strongly suggest they applied just as much in our day and time and really any time where there is a need for people to get their hearts right with God. If you're going out of this place and you're going to be a preacher. Or you're going to be a preacher's wife. Or you're going to be a, a lady who is instrumental in a congregation with the knowledge that you have gleaned here as, as a teacher. Your heart is going to be very important. And the condition of your heart before God is, is a deal maker or breaker, really in your or my ability to help the congregation with whom we work. This chapter speaks abundantly uh, to the preparing of the heart and making sure it's the kind that God wants it to be. I invite you, as I always do in my preaching and teaching, I invite you to ask yourself as I ask myself, do I have the heart for the Word of God? Let's study this together and notice these four things. The first one is found in verses 1 through 3. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning 
until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Do I have a heart for the word of God? In the first place this morning, I would suggest that in such a heart, the word of God is requested. For ours, I don't do a lot of alliteration, but a couple of the lessons this morning uh, ought to be easy to remember and recall because of the letter association. If my heart's going to be right, it's going to be one in which the word of God is requested. Did you notice that the people called for Ezra? They asked him to bring the law of God to them. This is not a situation where these people have come back from captivity and the preacher or the spiritual leader is trying to prod them to take up an interest in what God has to say. They are interested. They are requesting the Word of God. I, I need that kind of heart today. One that seeks, that requests God's Word because I know the value and the benefit of it when it's allowed to permeate my heart. Preachers today, right or wrong, consider every method under the sun to try to pique people's interest and to get them to be interested in listening to the preached, the taught, the spoken message of God's Word. That's not the case here. These people were requesting it. Hundreds of years neglecting what God had said in this nation of people. Seventy years as prisoners in a foreign land. And now they're allowed to come home. Their hearts are wide open to listening to what God has to say. I think the point here is that true interest in something needs no coercion. It doesn't have to be coerced. Sometimes people will complain about the length of time Uh, that is required to sit and listen to a message of God. And sometimes people have a a medical condition or situation that that makes it very difficult to sit and listen. But for others, like me, who I, I have relatively good health, I could sit and watch a movie for a couple of hours. I can watch a football game. In fact, I can stand in front of the television, jumping up and down for three hours because my interest is there. I'm I'm locked in on that event. You don't have to twist my arm to get me to watch my favorite football teams play. I've been doing a lot of study on social media and the effects of social media and taking note of the amount of time We just sit idly around looking at devices, just scrolling through what's going on in other people's lives. Hours. It it would frighten you. If if you're into that kind of thing and you actually looked at the amount of time that was consumed. 
What's my point? Well, we are locked in on and take great interest in things that we deem important. What about the Word of God? We're all at different places. I know where I'm at. You know where you are at relative to to these matters. But what what is your interest this morning in the Word of God? Do you request it? Is it a welcome guest in your heart? There's proactive and reactive actions here. And notice that the proactive ones are the people and the reactive one is Ezra. He's reacting to and responding to their request. And rightly so because they have asked for the very thing that is going to help them the most in life, the Word of God. In John chapter 6 and verse 68, after the extended disciples of Jesus had left him, Jesus asked his immediate disciples, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. When we recognize what we have in the word of God, we will request it just like this audience of people did. In Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 43, after teaching and preaching in Antioch, the Bible tells us that the Gentiles in that place begged Paul to preach again the words that he had preached on the next Sabbath. Begged him, the Bible says. This is a mindset that requests the Word of God. Acts 17.11, the Bereans, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether these things are so. There, there's, there are hearts requesting the Word of God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, blessed are those, happy are those who seek, who invite, who thirst and hunger for, who request that the Word of God come into their hearts. Much like the man described in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. This man's delight was in the law of the Lord, and in it, Did he meditate day and night? This is an individual responsibility. The preacher can't make me love God's word and request it. He might pique my interest to the point that I pursue it on my own, but this is a personal, individual responsibility. If I'm going to have the kind of heart that God wants me to have that is fundamental and foundational to everything else about my spiritual life, then it's going to have to be a heart that requests the Word of God to come in. You can't do it for me, and I can't do it for you. 
Number two, in verses four through six, in such a heart, that is a heart fit for the word of God, in such a heart, the word of God is respected. Look at these verses with me, four through six. And Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they made for this purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood, uh, let's work on some possible names here for uh, families that are expecting a baby. Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Urijah, Hilkiah, and Messiah, or Messiah, and at his left hand, Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, there we go, Uh, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Now look at the next couple of verses here. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now there are several things about this, these few verses that demonstrate tremendous respect for this preaching and teaching event. And rightly so, because in a heart prepared for the Word of God and fit for the Word of God, there will be respect for God's words. Notice in verse 4, an elevated platform. Have you ever wondered why we elevate the place where the, the preaching usually takes place? Some might think it's because the preacher's short. It may, it may be. But maybe it goes back to this event. Maybe we want to render the same kind of respect for the preaching, teaching event that they did on this occasion and they made an elevated platform for this purpose. Not to elevate the man but to elevate the message. In verse 5, they stood up. That that might be kind of strange in our culture, and people might look at you funny if, if everybody stood up when the word was being read. And I'm not suggesting that's what we should do. But I have to ask myself the question, And I would encourage you to ask yourself, when is the last time I stood up in my heart when the Word of God was being proclaimed or taught to me? I don't have to stand up physically to be in the right place. It seems to me that my heart ought to stand at attention and stand upright when the words that God saw fit to give me for my life are spoken. They stood up. 
They said amen multiple times. I, I don't work in an amen congregation. I don't know about this congregation. Not a whole lot of amens audibly, but I know there are in the hearts of people. And rightly so. So be it is the idea. Let it be this way. And as it pertains to respecting the Word of God, amen, so be it, let it be that there is respect for God's Word in my heart. And they worshiped in humility. They bowed their heads to the ground. Is that the sentiment today? And let's just broaden out from the Lord's church for a moment and think about the religious world in general. Is is that the sentiment today? It's not. There's very little respect for the Word of God. It's more more of a concert environment in many places. It's about entertainment and serving me rather than serving God. May we never draw from those influences to the point that we get away from the kind of respect and reverence and awe that we're to have in the presence of God's Word. I think these people would be horrified to see some of the things that take place in the name of worship and religion today. And think about the perspective from which they have come. Their ancestors just moved away from God and His Word. And then they've been in captivity. They're coming home and they've been given an opportunity to look at this with fresh eyes. And they have a renewed respect and appreciation for the Word of God. The matter, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. In Matthew 13, 15, Jesus said of the religious people of His day, for the hearts of this people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. A heart that requests and respects the Word of God is so essential. Maybe that's why Jesus said in Luke 18, take heed how you hear. In opening God's book, on this occasion and hopefully for us today, there was respect and reverence that filled their hearts, that filled that place. And may it be the same for us. The third point in this lesson is found in verses 7 through 12. In such a heart, that is a heart fit for the Word of God, the Word of God is what I'm going to call remedial. When I was in school, you know, it may not be politically correct today. I don't know what the arrangement is. But there were the regular classes and then there were remedial 
classes. And what that meant was that particular student was not advancing, maybe even didn't have the educational learning capacity to advance at the pace of the other students his or her age. So they were in a remedial class. That didn't mean that they weren't worth worthy of the education, that they weren't worthy of attention. It just meant that more work needed to be done to bring them up to speed for what, whatever reason. I want you to think about the remedial nature of the Word of God and how it takes each of us at our various levels of spiritual development and provides the remedial help that we need to bring us along to the next point. Look at the verses, verses 7 through 12. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Maaseah, Kelatai, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites, look, helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. They gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. Look, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Do I have a heart fit for the Word of God? Well, it depends. Because in such a heart, the Word of God is remedial. It takes us where we are at. It teaches us what we need to know and helps us to understand what God wants us to understand. They help the people to understand the Word. You remember the question Philip asked uh, the Ethiopian eunuch as he was reading from what we know as Isaiah 53? Do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except some man guide me? Remedial. Then he opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. Same thing is happening here. In verse 8, we get the true sense of preaching. What is preaching? If you're coming out of this place to be a gospel preacher and to work with a congregation Here's a good understanding of what you are doing. 
You will read distinctly from the Word of God. You will give the sense of it and you will bring it out in a way that people can apply it to their specific lives and live it. And so that's what is being done on this occasion. They are meeting the remedial needs of this group of people. We have the same thing today. As I said, we are, all of us are in different places spiritually. You may have this idea and understanding more in hand than I do. We're, we're, we're all different. You may be a new Christian working through these matters trying to understand what God expects of you. The Word of God has a remedial function that can take you where you are and move you along in your understanding. There's another way to look at this idea of remedial in this passage. You can hear the word remedy in it. The remedy. In the Word of God, there is remedy for whatever our human condition is. And you notice the people are crying and they're having to be encouraged not to be sad, but to be joyous. But they're crying, they're sorrowful because they hear and understand the Word of God. It was a remedial moment for them. They have found a remedy for their life. Think about the people assembled on Pentecost. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. When Peter put before them what had really happened in the recent days in the crucifixion of Jesus, the Son of God, when they heard that preaching, they were cut to the heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? It was a remedial moment where they were taken from where they were and moved to where they needed to be in their understanding and application of God's Word. We deal with that today. Paul warned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-4 through 4, of a time when people would depart from the truth. And their, their ears would no longer be in tune with the Word of God. They would be much like a people who had rejected it for hundreds of years, had been in captivity away from God for 70 years and have come home. There are people in the religious world like that today. There are people in the church that way who need a remedy for their situation. And the preaching of the Word of God and the teaching of God's Word, when it finds a heart that is open and willing to take that remedial teaching, then, then it will do well and it will be very helpful to people. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do I have a heart for the word of God? Well, these verses 
Teach us that in such a heart the word of God is remedial. Can God's word change you? Can it change me? Can it reprove, rebuke, and exhort me in the areas where I need correction and adjustment? I hope so, because that's the kind of heart that is fit for and ready for the word of God. The fourth point, the fourth aspect of this lesson is found in the the last few verses here, verses 13 through 18. Do I have a heart for the word of God? Well, in such a heart, the word of God causes a response. Now on the second day, the heads of the fathers, houses of all the people with the priests, the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found, notice that, they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of all trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one with a roof on his house, of his, on the roof of his house, or in their courtyards, or the courts of the house of God, and in the open square of the water gate, and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim, So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths for, look at this brethren, for since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God, And they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. Do I have a heart for the Word of God? In the last place this morning, if I do, it will be a heart wherein the Word of God causes a response. Notice in verse 13, on the second day, they had been taught, but the Word of God is still marinated. That happens for preachers. Preachers will preach a sermon on Sunday and Monday. It's still marinating in their minds and they're thinking about the application and the meaning of it. It happens in the hearts and minds of listeners too. We think about it and we reflect on it. So they're thinking about it and reflecting on it. It's still marinating and they come back for more. And I love verse 14 because it says they found. You see, in their reflection and their meditation upon what had been preached and taught and the word that they were being exposed to, after so long a time away from it, they found something. Like the Bereans. They searched the Scriptures daily to ensure that the things that they were being taught were so. And they found in this instruction that they had neglected for hundreds of years. That just blows me away. Since the days of Joshua. Joshua 
was at the helm of their conquest of the land and God working great, mighty acts to deliver the promised land into their hands. But we're told after Joshua's death, another generation arose that didn't know him and did not know the works of God. What a tragedy. And so from that point, even to this point, they had not done these things that they were supposed to do. But what did they do? They righted the ship and began to do the things that the Word of God had commanded them and instructed them to do. Even though it had been neglected for so long, they wanted to respond the way that they ought to and get it right. We see that kind of attitude throughout the Bible. The eunuch. See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? The group that we've already mentioned on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, men and brethren, what shall we do? Think about Simon the sorcerer who wanted to buy the apostles' ability to impart miraculous gifts. And he was rebuked for that attitude and that desire and interest. What did he do? He righted the ship. Pray for me. A response. I should be able to respond to every preached or taught message from the Word of God. As a preacher, I enjoy sitting at the feet of other preachers, maybe in a gospel meeting, maybe an event like polishing the pulpit, whatever it is, I enjoy sitting at the feet of others preaching where where I'm not the one with that responsibility or that task. And I try to keep in mind that every time God's Word is taught or preached, I should be able to respond to it in some way. I should be able to respond. Sometimes people get caught up in the time or the delivery of the one who is teaching. And we get caught up in in all of the other things rather than the one-on-one relationship relationship between me and God's Word at that moment. The best way to put out those other things that may be distracting to me is to ask myself, regardless of what the message is, how am I to respond to this? Because it's God's Word. And every time it's read, every time it's preached, there is something being said that I can respond to. I'm beginning this morning in my lessons with the heart because really the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And our relationship with our God must begin there. Do I have a heart fit for the Word of God? Well, it depends. Because in such a heart, the Word of God is going to be requested. In such a heart, the Word of God is going to be respected. In such a heart, the Word of God is going to be remedial. It is always working on me to bring me to where I need to be. And in the Word of God... In in such a heart, the Word of God 
always causes some kind of favorable response. It took 70 years of slaves and hundreds of years for a nation before that to get to the point where they had a heart for the Word of God. May it never be that way with us that it would take such drastic events to get our heart to where it needed to be before our God. I hope that this has been helpful uh, to you this morning. I appreciate your kind attention to the things that I've had to say.